Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. chapter 40. Now, last week we looked at uh, the life of uh, Joseph, the uh, son of Jacob, the 11th son of, of Jacob, and you'll recall that, uh, that the Lord had blessed Joseph in many different ways, and one of those ways was giving him 
the ability to interpret dreams. God would communicate through dreams. And he gave Joseph the ability to interpret those dreams. And in one dream that he dreamt, his, uh, his brothers basically were bowing down to him. Now he made the mistake of sharing that dream with his brothers because that caused his brothers to be quite uh, angry and also um, that, uh, that anger turned to rage and hatred and they eventually sold their brother into slavery. And so he was sold to uh, slave traders who then took him down to Egypt and he wound up in the house of Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and uh, his, his title was the chief executioner. But the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he blessed Joseph in Potiphar's house, and uh, so much so that Potiphar put him in charge of everything that he owned. And all of the other servants in Potiphar's household were under Joseph's supervision. But Potiphar wasn't the only uh, one in the house who really liked Joseph. Potiphar's wife also liked Joseph. And because uh, uh, Joseph was not only intelligent, but uh, he was good looking on top of that. And so uh, one day Potiphar was gone on a business trip and Potiphar's wife began to make moves on uh, Joseph. And the Bible says that she didn't do this just once, but day after day after day. And yet this young man resisted. He even told her, you know, my master, your husband, has placed everything under my care. The only thing that he's kept back from me is you because you're his wife. Joseph had a biblical view of the sanctity of marriage. And then he went on to say, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He acknowledged that to do something like that would be to sin against God. Oh, that that were heralded today throughout our country. So many people think that it's okay. Well, the Bible teaches that it is not okay. It is not approved by God. And so what happens? Well, Potiphar comes home, and uh, his wife, she's uh, angry because she's been rejected. And she accuses Joseph of attempting to rape her. And so Potiphar becomes angry. Now, many scholars say there's the possibility that Potiphar knew what kind of woman his wife was. And he was angry because he was going to lose Joseph as a servant in his house. So he took Joseph and he placed him into Pharaoh's prison. But again, the scripture says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And he blessed him there in the prison. And in the prison, the warden put Joseph in charge of the other prisoners. As a matter of fact, he didn't stop there. He actually put him in charge of the whole prison. 
So here Joseph is in prison and God blesses him and puts him in charge of the prison. And then two officers of the court are put in prison. But the title of this message here is Dreams Really Do Come True. You see, the Bible taught that long before um, they stated that in The Wizard of Oz. You remember? <laughs> the young lady was singing, right? And uh, she sang Over the Rainbow. Remember that uh, beautiful song, Judy Garland singing that? But the Bible teaches that dreams really do come true. And so in Genesis chapter 40, and beginning at verse 1, we'll begin our reading. Now it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream. There were three white baskets on my head, and the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you, lift off your head from you, and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then 
he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and, the, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you, and we thank you for your holy word. We pray, Father, that you be our teacher today. Help us, O Lord, to glean from this experience in the life of Joseph truths, Lord, to apply to our lives. And help us, O Father, to understand and to recognize that you see all, you hear all, you know all things in our lives. And we pray, Father, that our lives will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so here is Joseph in prison. Now, oftentimes when we read the Bible, we read from one verse to the next or from one chapter to the next, we, we're unaware that there are a very lengthy periods of time that uh, transpired between the various verses or the, or the chapters. And so it is in this particular case. Now, Joseph was about 17 years old when his brother sold him into slavery. And he was taken down into Egypt. And so there he's in uh, Potiphar's house and he's serving. And it's, it's, um, it's estimated that he was probably serving in Potiphar's house for a couple of years. We don't know exactly because it doesn't tell us exactly. But what the Bible does tell us is that Joseph is 30 years old when he's brought before Pharaoh. So that means that he spent about 13 years as a servant and or prisoner in prison. That's a long time. You see, it wasn't just overnight. It wasn't just, you know, a few days. It wasn't just a week or a month. No, it was over a decade. From the time that his brothers had sold him into slavery, and he'd be, uh, been a slave in the house of Potiphar, and then thrown into prison. And you have to wonder how many Josephs are in prison today because someone accused them of something that they did not do. Well, two officers are sent to prison because they offended the Pharaoh. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what they did, but they ticked him off. And you know, when you are serving in the court of a king, you are to always have that pleasant look on your face because you could be thrown into prison for having a sad look on your face. But they had offended the Pharaoh, and so in anger, Pharaoh had them in prison. And there, they were placed under Joseph's supervision. Now, isn't it amazing? Of all the things that Joseph could have done and the attitude that he could have you know, had, having been sold into slavery and then put into prison, he really could have had a bad, a really negative attitude, couldn't he? He could have been so angry and filled with the hatred, etc., and blamed everybody that came along, but instead, here he was, 
a young man with a tremendous positive, optimistic attitude and faith in God. And the Bible says, and God was with him, and God blessed him. As a matter of fact, even in the prison, he caused him to prosper. Why is it that so many Christians struggle in their lives? Joseph was not only a prisoner, he was also a minister of God's grace in that prison. In that, in that prison, in this jailhouse, he was God's minister in that place. And where are you in your life today? For wherever you are in your life today, you are God's minister in that particular place. Among your family, in your neighborhood, if you're still working at your place of work, wherever you recreate, if you will, wherever you shop, you are God's minister in that place. What an amazing young man and an example of God's goodness. Now, both the butler and the baker had dreams. And so in the morning, as Joseph was making his rounds, checking on the prisoners, he comes to the butler and the baker. And as he, as he checked on these two, he noticed a sad look on their face, which shows some discernment. He, he, he realized that something was, was terribly wrong with both of them. He demonstrated discernment, and he demonstrated genuine concern. And, and God is genuinely concerned for each of us, but not just us, but for every human being that walks upon the face of the earth. God loves them, and he is concerned about their welfare. So he says, why do you look so sad today? Not only did he, did he discern, but he also, he also acted. It's one thing to, to feel pity or compassion for someone. It's another thing to actually do something about it. To actually get involved. Why do you look so sad today? Well, we've each had dreams and, and there's, there's no one to interpret. They were both perplexed. But notice Joseph, he, he gives God glory. You notice that? He doesn't say, well, I have you know, the wonderful spiritual gift of interpreting dreams. No, he says, do not the interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. He gives glory and honor to God, and he is used as a humble vessel of God's truth. And so, the scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall exalt you in due season. Amen? Well, God gives Joseph the interpretations. The butler shared his dream and Joseph interpreted restoration. He was going to be, the butler was going to be restored back to his position of being the cupbearer. 
And the cupbearer, that, that was a very dangerous position to be in because the cupbearer would taste the wine before he would give it to the pharaoh. In the event that the wine was poisoned, well then the butler would be the one who would die. So the pharaoh's life was basically in the hand of the butler. And in this particular case, he was restored. Now, when you're reading, it's, you know, you, somewhat humorous while at the same time tragic because, you know, the baker says, well, hey, if things turned out well for, for the butler, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm going to be okay. But tragically, and you have to wonder how Joseph, when he, when he listened to the baker share his dream, I'm sure he was, he was very compassionate. Perhaps he even put his arm around the baker and said, I'm so sorry, my friend, but things aren't going to turn out well for you. And maybe, maybe he spent those three days telling him about the love of God. You ever find yourself in a difficult position, a difficult situation, and yet God brings a person or maybe several people into your life who are struggling as well? An opportunity to minister to them with the love and the, and the care and the grace of God, the tender touch? Joseph interpreted the dreams, and both interpretations were fulfilled. But notice the butler forgot Joseph. Now, you see Joseph making a case for himself. Now, remember me. Remember me. Don't forget me. But how many times has the arm of flesh failed you? How many times has someone forgotten you? Or how many times have you forgotten someone else? But there is one who does not forget. Because the Bible teaches that God was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. God didn't forget Joseph. Yes, the arm of flesh forgot, but, but God did not forget Joseph. And God does not forget us. You see, there in that prison, even through the... the uh, the selling of Joseph into slavery, the work in Potiphar's house, and the false accusation. What was God doing in the life of Joseph with all of these circumstances? God was preparing. He was preparing Joseph for the future, for the position that he would eventually assume, that he would be promoted to. Because those dreams that God gave to Joseph when he was a little boy, God was speaking through those dreams to Joseph as well as to his family. Because as we continue through the book of Genesis, we find that those dreams also come to fulfillment in the life of Joseph. And so what do we learn here from these passages? God chooses how he communicates with us. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. Now, there are uh, biblical scholars who say, you know, that, that God doesn't 
He doesn't speak through dreams anymore. Well, I don't believe him. Because God is sovereign. And just because some theologian who happens to be a sinner and would be lost if, unless Jesus died for him too. You follow? Okay. Just because some guy has lots of uh, initials behind his name does not mean that he speaks for God. You follow? If God wants to speak through a dream, he's free to do so. And as the Bible teaches, if he wants to speak through a donkey, he can do that as well. And some say he does that every Sunday morning. <laughs> we won't use that other term. <laughs> but God communicates with his children. God communicates with us. And God can choose how he does that. Now, and we must believe that God does in fact communicate with us. Because he does. However, one of the issues is that most Christians do not spend enough time alone with God. So they do not recognize his voice when he speaks. They don't recognize when he is communicating with them. Now, the primary way that God communicates with us is through his word, the Bible. You see, because the Bible has come to us through God the Holy Spirit, who inspired these men to write God's word. They aren't the author. God is the author. They are the, the writers, the ones who, who put the pen or the quill, if you will, and the ink to the parchment, to the scroll. But God, the Holy Spirit, is the author. And over in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, the Lord Jesus Christ teaching the disciples that, that when, after his crucifixion and resurrection, and he, he ascends back to heaven, that he will send God, the Holy Spirit. He'll pray the Father, and the Father will send God the Holy Spirit and that he will be present in our lives through the presence of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. When a person comes to know Jesus as Savior, God the Holy Spirit comes to live and to dwell within them. And the Bible says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Amen. And he goes on to teach that God the Holy Spirit is the one who will illuminate our understanding the one who will enable us to read God's holy word and understand it. And also empower us, enabling us to live it in our lives. And he is the one who speaks to us. And God can speak to us in so many different ways. He communicates through circumstances. Life lessons. To teach us, to guide us to care for us, to provide for us, and to protect us. All of that is given to us by God, and it's God's... These are all different ways that God communicates to us. He, he communicates through us, through our parents, who are 
our first teachers. Now, there are no perfect parents other than God. He's the perfect father. But there are no perfect parents. But the Bible teaches that we're to honor our father and our mother. We're to love them. We're to forgive them. And so many people harbor anger and, and, uh, and rage toward their parents because their parents weren't perfect. And you know that you know, the, the pointing of the finger? You have to be real careful with that because you have three fingers pointing back at you, right? Who in here is perfect? Who walking upon the earth is perfect? No one is perfect. But God says we're to honor our father and our mother. And that's not just when they're alive. But the lessons that we were taught, and some lessons are, are positive lessons, but some lessons are negative lessons. And we learn from those. And through those circumstances, we, we discover, we, we come to learn and to know that God is trustworthy. That God fulfills His word. That our God is faithful. Amen? And He cares for us. And we, as God's children, need to listen, to discern, to trust, and obey. Over in 1 John chapter 4, in those first few verses, we're told that, that we're to be sensitive to the, to the Spirit, but we're also to be discerning. That is, to try the spirits. That is, when we receive an impression or we believe that God is communicating to us. Well, whatever is communicated to us, or however we're led, we are directed to go to the Scripture to ensure that what we believe we're hearing is consistent with what the Bible teaches, not with what your grandmother taught you. You follow? Unless what she taught you is consistent with what the Bible teaches. And not what your heart is telling you. What does the Bible say about your heart? All right. Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? This whole idea to thine own self be true. No, be true to God and to his word. Because if you do what your heart tells you, guess what? You're going to be in trouble. We had an interesting uh, Sunday school lesson this morning. It had to do with, with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. Now, why do we study the book of Genesis and all the other books in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, as, as uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters refer to the, to, the, to the books of the Bible, the Tanakh, those 39 books? Why do we study them? Because you will not have a full understanding of the scripture unless you also know what they teach. Because it's all God's word. And it establishes the foundation of our faith. But God had spoken to Abram and had promised him an heir. But you know, both he and Sarah were well along in years and so they thought they'd kind of take the matters into their own hands. And so what does uh, Sarah do? She says, well, you just go ahead and sleep with Hagar, the servant. And she'll have a baby and it'll be ours. And how did that turn out? Well, they're still fighting over there. 
because Ishmael was the, the son born to Hagar, and Isaac was the son born to, uh, to, to Abraham and Sarah, and they didn't get along. Even though they're brothers, because the Arabs and the Jewish people are cousins. They're in the same family. You know, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of folks don't know that. Here they are, cousins, but, and sadly, you know, the, the Jewish people, all they want is peace. They want peace. They want to, to live in peace. And Israel is a very generous nation. It's much like the United States of America and is willing to share its resources with others. But there is a deep-seated and long right, history of the hatred of the Arabs toward the Jewish people. The offspring of Ishmael. For we need to listen, to discern, to trust. And then notice, I didn't uh, put it up on the slide, but Joseph would not throw away the privilege to serve God by yielding to temptation, nor would he be defeated by challenging situations or unpleasant circumstances. Because there's something else that Joseph knew. Joseph knew that he was innocent and that the Lord was with him. Do you know the Lord as your Savior? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when you die you will go to be with him in heaven? If someone were to ask you, when you die and you come before the pearly gates and the angel or Saint Peter says, well, why should we let you into heaven? What would your response be? Would your response be, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't done any real terrible things. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Wrong answer. The only acceptable answer, grace. God's grace. Jesus died for me upon the cross. No, I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve. But Jesus died for me and I've entrusted my life to him. That's the only answer. Not, well, you know, I, 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 I gave this and I did this and I, and I helped so and so and I did all of these. No. What does the Bible have to say about our righteousness? Yeah. The Bible says over in the book of Isaiah, all of our righteousness, all of our righteous works are like a filthy rag that's a, a, a rag that's putrid, filled with pus that's been wrapped around a wound. So when you begin to think real highly of yourself that you know you're, you're this real great person and you're, and you're breaking your arm to pat yourself on the back for all of the wonderful deeds you've done, guess what the Bible says? Your righteousness is like a filthy rag before God because He really is perfect. God is perfect. 
and and his love, his love is perfect. And he loves you with a perfect love. So we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. That invitation is God's invitation to you. To give your heart and your life to him because he loves you. He, he wants to embrace you with his love and to use you like he, he used Joseph in the lives of these prisoners. Will you give your heart, will you give your life to him? A simple act of faith and prayer. You just pray. A prayer like this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying upon the cross for my sin and for rising up from the dead. I ask you, I invite you to come into my heart and into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I devote my life to you. Help me by your Holy Spirit to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you. Thank you for giving me the hope and the gift of eternal life. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as we sing this hymn of invitation, if you've prayed that prayer, you come forward and make a public declaration of your commitment. Or maybe you're here and you, you've already accepted the Lord as your Savior. Uh, maybe you've been baptized or maybe you haven't been baptized, but you want to be baptized. Come forward and share that and we'll baptize you. Or maybe to come forward to join this church. Come forward. You see, we require you to, to proclaim Christ publicly. Publicly. Not in a closet somewhere. Because there's nothing to hide. You follow? No, we, open, we, we openly serve Christ and proclaim his name. So as we sing, you come. Let's stand, please. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.